there. Welcome. And thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. We have fewer companions on the journey now. 
right? Your companions on the journey of those who hold this claim and our convictions are no longer surrounded by extensive like social supports of, the, of that. It's, uh, it, it's generally, um, the church is generally inconsequential now in, in general spaces, like in, in culture. Um, and you can feel those kind of winds of indifference and skepticism and, and even sometimes hostility, right? And so it's, it's not surprising that for many of us, um, the erosion of like the confidence in Christianity and society becomes internalized in us after, after a little while. Because we all, all have like that person, the, the spouse that doesn't buy it anymore, or the parent or the sibling or the child or, or a friend. Um, and we sit in church perhaps, and maybe even this morning, you sit in church and you are whispering to yourself sometimes, like, why am I here? Like, what connection does Sunday morning at the Kingstown Communion, wherever they may be, whatever given week, what connection does that have to reality? Uh, what I've described is the experience of this kind of collective societal crisis of faith. <laughs> that has happened. Um, it's, it's the kind of crisis that leads to some pretty jarring like 2023 church statistics and trends right now that show, um, surprisingly, that um, the, the, the portion of our gener of the, the generation that has returned to church the most um, has been the millennials because they're most used to being in this world of, um, of online and in person. They've returned the most but you've seen them less, right? Because they take up a lot of that online space. Um, the generation that has returned to church the least since COVID is the baby boomer generation, um, least likely to return to church. Volunteer crisis, because if, think about it, baby boomers aren't coming back, millennials are the ones coming back, but are coming back consistently online, more so than on pers in person. Who's gonna be in the church to do the work of the church. So there's this huge um, volunteer crisis happening across the church at large. And then other statistics that come out of this, these trends that, that nobody is coming anymore for, like I said, my sermon or for, 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 for music, or they're coming for particular things that they can, they can see the value of being in person for. You can, you can see my sermon here, the music online, you cannot online engage in meaningful community at a potluck, um, at a, a trunk or treat. You cannot online um, well, and we know this from how the pandemic affected um, children's education, right? You cannot online well educate children in the Christian faith. So you want solid, um, solid children's ministry. That's another reason why people are coming in person. And then and also, besides giving some money virtually through a platform, you can't online serve with your neighbor, right? Three reasons why people are actually coming to church right now, none of which is what I'm doing at this moment. Um, and to explore what this moment, this crisis, to explore it and, and what it has to do with us like right now, I, um, I want you to think of it through this story that we just read, the story that is 
maybe one of the most, um, maybe the most well-known, most significant story in the Old Testament, the story of the parting of the Red Sea and the, li the liberation of the Israelites from um, in Exodus 14. Because I believe this story, in this story lies everything that's become so problematic about being a Christian in our day and why we've led, it's led to this kind of space we're in right now, this crisis of faith. Um, but it also offers everything we need, all that promise, all that hope, all that joy, all that renewal for, for, for a path forward for us. Um, the crossing of the Red Sea is this foundational story of the Old Testament because it brings together three things that the Old Testament is essentially about all the way through and through. First, it is a new creation story. How, just like in Genesis 1, God brings dry land out of the chaos. God makes here this kind of like birth experience, waters through which people can enter through, and God speaks and things happen, and the result of it is this new life for Israel. So it has this kind of new creation sense to it. Um, the other, other way is that it's a, this story of liberation. God wants Israel to be free. God sees Israel's plight in slavery to Pharaoh and creates this path towards freedom for them and destroys the powers of oppression. So it's this new creation story, it's this liberation story, and then third, it's this story of covenant. God cares for Israel. God is sovereign over the natural environment and, and Israel in turn responds through obedience of Moses and the active participation of, of the people. Cre creation, liberation, covenant. It's the whole of the Old Testament, all like crystallized in 13 verses here. Now think for a minute how attractive this theology, this theological canvas is, creation, liberation, covenant. Think how attractive that is for our culture and society. This is why it became, gosh, the core verse for America. Think about it for a minute, how it just seems to slip on so perfectly to our way of life, so tailored, fit, like this jacket that just slips on. First, this theology of new creation, liberation, covenant, like it's attractive to us because America has so long seen itself as like this, this new Israel, inheriting the status of God's favorite nation and having a role to play in civilizing the world around us and bringing resources and order and peace and justice. It's, it's also super attractive to us morally because, you know, despite being built on the backs of slaves, it's ironically always seen itself as some kind of guardian of justice and freedom throughout the world as a kind of collective Moses figure for the rest of the world, achieving astonishing things and rolling back the tide of ignorance and inefficiency and, and laying down laws that commanded the loyalty of people all over the world. And then it's also attractive, like, in a cultural sense, because our leaders are regarded with this degree of esteem that assumes that we have some kind of divine right to advance the, the benevolent hand and authority of the United States. And, and so creation, liberation, covenant, this theology has been our bread and butter in America. No wonder it has been so attractive to us. But over the last 150 years, that set of assumptions in which the crossing of the, the Red Sea becomes our story affirming like our place in the cosmos, our place in the world, our social hierarchy, 
This seemingly like package deal of theology made for us, believed to be underwritten by the Bible and the church and by God, over the last 150 years, it has come under serious assault. It's been questioned and torn down by scientists who say, you know, like those kind of Charleston Heston waves, where like, you know, the water parts and it makes a path for God's people to walk through, like scientifically, waves don't work like that, right? Before 150 years ago, nobody ever questioned that. This most dramatic of biblical miracles, the one that wrote our American story, well, it just, it doesn't sit well anymore with kind of the modern worldview. And so we begin to explain things away. Well, I like, well, you know, the story was probably just created by the tribes of Canaan as a myth of origin to explain their distinctive identity and strong and unique sense of calling and purpose. Um, like we tried to make something out of it. It's also like come under this moral assault with critics now asking questions like what kind of God? I wonder if any of you thought that as you read it today. You probably did. What kind of God is this who chooses a favorite people and exercises violence to rescue them and leaves the Egyptians strewn across the shore in the end? People started asking questions like that before 150 years ago nobody asked those questions. Like, if God has the ability to control the winds and waves, and if God cares about the plight of the oppressed, why doesn't God do a better job of steering hurricanes away from populated centers and steering bombs away from civilians? And then this story, like, then comes under this cultural assault because activists and progressive preachers have then come up into a stage like this and said things like, hey, wouldn't it be more accurate, actually, to say that America is more like the Egyptians and that a story, like a true fulfillment of the story is, should leave us strewn across the shore in the end. That's really jaded. <laughs> so historically, morally, culturally, the story that we love and know, the story that we were told as a kids has like been surrounded by assault and, and all of this leading to this gigantic crisis of faith we find the church in now. For so many people now, the church is like historical and moral and cultural authority and competency and re relevance in the world have just been so significantly compromised. And, and you know what happens? Christians always respond to that when that happens, right? Christians respond and we respond in a variety of ways. Some have decided to like dig their feet in, right? To shout louder, to claim privileges and status um, of past entitlements. And, and then some have done this other thing, which is, um, They've, they've given up the outward trappings of Christianity and have decided to just kind of retreat into this interior realm of spirituality and good feelings. But the problem with, with this response is, is that the crossing of the Red Sea, notice, it's this intensely corporate, political, conflictual, public, story. It's for a group of people. Creation, liberation, covenant, they aren't interior experiences in the Old Testament. They're about society and about escape and about social change and, and struggle. And, and, and we may get to assuming the Red Sea story as, as, as simply an endorsement of the American way of life. Yet, yeah, like, we're done with that. We get that. But, but, but we should also be done with, with 
with just retreating to those interior spaces because it renders the entire Old Testament pointless then. And so, I'm, there's another way forward, I think. I think there's another way forward for us. Um, I think that the way forward for us is in the midst of this societal crisis of faith, and maybe within each one of our own crises of faith, the better response is without defensiveness and with this healthy dose of humility and even hope, recognize that this crisis, this, this revolution has made us able to read this story in a whole new way with a whole new set of fresh eyes, no longer will we read this story in Christianity in general as affirming our social standing. Um, instead, we will see and proclaim and live out God's fundamental purpose, beginning with creation, which is to be in relationship with all of us, not personally, but collectively, this, this word covenant. And every time a, a body like this, a group of people like this gathers to form and restore relationships of this kind, every time we gather like we have today in the midst of, of adversity and hostility, in the midst of our over-calendared lives, or, or in the midst of our own depression or isolation, every time in the midst of all of that, we gather like this to honor God and then offer hospitality to our neighbors with no strings attached, we are imitating God's purpose for the church. A purpose that Jesus modeled, showing us what it means for God to seek relationship with us and what it involves to restore relationship and, re and reconciliation and, and healing in our entire community. And the church which has been given stories like this one, like, like this epic tale of the parting of the Red Sea has been charged with relocating itself in the places and among the people where the balance of liberation and covenant is taking place. And sometimes the church, yeah, gets things really wrong and realizes that it has actually turned into the Egyptians. But sometimes it gets things really right, too. It does. And has this exhilarating experience of being close to God's glory and alive and freedom and hope poured out for the world. What we're doing here today is not just a way to give out candy. It's a way of rewriting the story. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks that you are always in the business of, of writing our stories. And that if we are in a place of, um, of, of hardness of heart and deconstructing our faith, and if we feel like we've had a crisis of faith, that you meet us there. You meet us there, but you don't leave us there. You don't leave us there, God, because <coughs> as much as, as the church has done wrong, the church has a capacity to do real good. 
to make a real difference. And honestly, it's, the only, it's only the church's job, it's only the church's place to heal the spaces that have been misdone before by the church. And so, God, make us people who split the waters, who open up the sea, who tell the story in a new way, not that we are the chosen ones for whom the, the, sleep, the, the sea split and we're the ones walking through, but that we've, we've asked others to join us on that walk. We've invited others to come through to receive your new creation, your liberation, and your covenant. We thank you, God, for, for doing that for us, with us, through us, in your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.